varmt välkommen. Du lyssnar på en inspelning från internationell författarscen på Kulturhuset Stadsteatern med författaren Peter Wolleben i samtal med Ulrika Björksten till vardags vid Sveriges Radios vetenskapsredaktion. Mitt namn är Ingemar Fast och jag är konstnärlig ledare för litteraturscenen här i detta stora allkonsthus vid Sargelstorg i Stockholm. Låt samtalet ta sin början. Peter Wolleben. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Um, you're a forester. Uh, you were employed by the German Forestry Commission until 2006. And then you decided that you had to quit. Um, can you tell us that story? Yeah, um, as a little child, when I was six years old, I wanted to be a conservationist. And um, uh, after finishing school, I thought about studying biology, and then I read in a newspaper that the German Forest Commission were searching for students. And I thought, okay, forester is something like a tree keeper. And uh, okay, why not to become a forester? Then uh, after studying forestry and starting to manage uh, woodland, I found out that a forester is more like a tree butcher. And uh, it's okay, it's okay, but uh, uh, keeping uh, trees by cutting them, that's a contradiction. And uh, then I started to think how forestry could be changed. Hmm. And you could actually have ended up in Sweden already in 2006. Pardon? You could actually have ended up in yeah, Sweden yeah. already in 2006 w- right. when you decided to quit. Uh, because, yeah, I, uh, for example, I refused to clear cut those old uh, beech tree forests. And therefore, uh, you have to know that um, Germany was once covered to more than 80% by primeval beech forest, like southern Sweden. And um, we, we have just one third of forests left in general, but not forests in, in reality, that are plantations. And older beech forests are just left uh, around about uh, three per mill. That's almost nothing. And uh, we, should, we should preserve them. And uh, I did so, and uh, yeah, that my, my uh, chiefs were not so, so amused when I... The uh, uh, government is very slowly, and when, you, when they say, yeah, you have to cut them down, you can say, yeah, I will do so. And after a year, they ask, did you? No? Ah, I forgot. Oh, sorry. Perhaps next year they can turn on and on, but after 10 years it's, it's getting a little bit uh, tricky and uh, then, then the pressure becomes uh, tougher, so um, I, I decided to, to quit the job and um, then and, and I discussed it with the family because they, they, my wife said, if you will be hap- unhappy for the rest of your life, uh, then, when, then we all should move uh, to an- another uh, uh, country, perhaps. And the, and, and the country of, of our love is Sweden, which we visited very often and still visit very often. Uh, but then the, the mayor of, of the little village say, stop. <laughs> don't, don't go. Before you go, we make our own forest commission. In this little village, it's then in reality uh, that are seven villages. Altogether, they have 470 inhabitants, so it's uh, it's crowded like Sweden, let's say like this. And um, yeah, and then we started our own forest commission. Mm. So instead of quitting, you managed to set up your own forestry commission and, yeah. and to actually take care of the forest in a more 
ecologically sustainable manner. Yeah. Uh, but parallel with this activity, you've been writing books for a long time. Uh, and in 2015 came, of course, the big bestseller, The Hidden Life of Trees. Uh, and it was translated to Swedish, among many other languages. Um, and some of the comments about this, mm. this book uh, talked about... Um, your poetic way of, of describing the forest. And, and one quote was that Vorleben has put the soul back into the forest. Um, and I, I was reflecting on reading this book um, the, uh, on how you actually write about ecology, which traditionally you use economical terms to describe, but yeah. you use social terms uh, to describe ecology. Um, what are your thoughts on, 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 on that way of describing uh, um, ecology in the forest? There, there was no, no special uh, target to write a book in this sense or this sense. Uh, the book, uh, books are written guided tours uh, through the forest. And I make uh, guided tours since 30 years. And I watch the audience. And uh, it's hard to see uh, the audience is bored. <laughs> when I use too, too much technical terms, you see the first people in the last row begin to talk to each other and no one listened. So I had to change uh, the way I, I told the stories about the forest. And uh, yeah, and uh, the other thing is, uh, when we talk about nature, we talk uh, in a sense of a ranking. Uh, in biology, you have to sort in different families and species and so on. Uh, that's okay, that's necessary for science, but uh, uh, it is done in, in a ranking. From top to down, you have, you know, you have the the word. You have higher animals, lower animals, and but that's that's not a quality ranking. But we use it as a quality ranking, and therefore, we regard plants less worthful than animals, for example. And the, it's it's the question why that we feel more emotions for animals because they are uh, evolutionarily seen closer to us. Uh, I understand that, but that has nothing to do with the ethics standard, how we treat other species, but we use it like this. And, and, and I think uh, that prevents us from uh, detecting wonderful things. For example, trees, we regard trees as oxygen producer, as water purifier, as timber producer, and so on, as if, if they, they were servants to us. But trees are not born as servants. You know, they live on their own and they have wonderful family bands and so on. And uh, when we go away from this ranking, we, we can discover wonderful things. Mm. But you, you actually use, um, the words you use are very social. Um, you talk about trees suckling their offspring. You talk about friendships between trees and and when you talk about animals, you talk about animals adopting other yeah. animals, and you talk about trees talking to, to each other. Um, when you decided to use these words, how, how should we regard it? Is it? Are they metaphors, or do you think that there's some kind of essential truth in these words that really describe the way trees and yeah. animals interact with each other? Um, I think it, it's a central truth in it, because, for example, a tree language. It, we, we know that trees are ex exchanging information. And um, when you look at um, the definitions of, of uh, terms like language, there is no real definition. 
Uh, most definitions uh, define language uh, in, in a way that it is just for humans. And that means, for example, that uh, for a language you have to have a written word. But there are cultures without uh, writing, so uh, are there human cultures without a language? No. Uh, and on animals, when you, when you look at orcas, for example, they have many different uh, words, even raven birds, for example, they have uh, so far, we have detected more than 80 different expressions. They have names amongst each other. Uh, and for example, when they have seen uh, uh, a friend, uh, haven't seen a friend for years, and this friend comes back, because ravens can become very old, they greet this friend in a high voice. And when someone comes back they don't uh, like, they, they greet uh, this, this raven in a low voice. That's exactly what we are doing. So watch the next time how you will be greeted when you are invited by friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same. So why should we have different expressions? Because uh, to, to express it right, I would have to write, uh, for example, a book on trees in tree language. So I have to use human words. And um, when I use an emotional language for our uh, business and use technical terms for uh, trees and uh, plants in general or animals, then I degrade them. Then I, I would write as if they don't have any emotions and feelings and whatsoever. And, and think that we all know that that is not true. Hmm. Um, I'd like to ask you a bit more about the, your expression, the wood-wide web. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorites among yeah. your metaphors or, or essential truths, whichever way you prefer to, to put it. Um, tell us about how, how you found out about this uh, interlinkage between the trees uh, through roots and, and fungi. Yeah, that's a combination between uh, my own observations and, uh, in this case, mainly uh, observations from the University of Vancouver. Um, the expression, the term Wood Wide Web, uh, was created by the magazine Nature in 1995. Uh, it means that uh, trees are exchanging information. That's long known since the 1970s, that, for example, when an uh, insect bites a tree, then this tree, uh, there's a, a counter reaction, and meanwhile, the all surrounding trees are reacting the same way. They prepare for defending this insect. And uh, scientists long wondered how it work, worked, and uh, they found out that it is by, by uh, gas, uh, by uh, chemical substances on one hand, and on the other hand, through the root system by electrical and chemical uh, informations. It's exactly how our nerve system is working. And, um, and the roots are not reaching every point in the forest, and their uh, fungi network is uh, doing the job uh, and transporting news, transporting sugar to other trees, uh, and therefore it gets uh, a payment, which, and the, the wood wide web is much more expensive than our web. Uh, I don't know how, how, how much it is in, in Sweden per household, I don't know, perhaps 400 crowns or, or per month? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And as a tree, you have to pay up to one-third of your whole income. <laughs> that means the whole sugar production, wood production, one-third uh, of the energy is going to the fungi network. That's payment for their duties. And uh, therefore, trees can warn each other. We don't know very much about uh, the other tree communication because uh, you can only prove things which we can reproduce. And uh, you can, for example, reproduce pain. 
but that would be uh, like learning Swedish for me by uh, hitting your feet with my foot and uh, hear what you're uh, yelling to me. <laughs> and I think I would put perhaps just uh, three or, or four words which I'm hearing. And that's exactly the state where we are about tree language. Hmm. But a third of the energy goes into this. So, so, so what is the great gain from, from the tree that justifies putting a third of your energy in, into, you know, actually in other species, into fungi, rather than into your own uh, um, You said a third of the yeah, energy yeah, of the trees is actually yeah, fed yeah. into this, this uh, uh, collaboration with fungi. So what, what is the gain that actually justifies putting so much of, of your energy into another species? Yeah, <clears throat> the gain is uh, that, that uh, trees can work together as a social community. That's exactly uh, what uh, we are, uh, what, what, uh, what is our most important thing, that's communication uh, within a family. For example, when you, when you hug each other, that's communication, nonverbal communication. What would we be without communication? Yeah, and, the, and the words and, and the smile and whatsoever. That's all communication. Social beings have to communicate and therefore uh, for a better communication you need help, even in the forest. And uh, so they can exchange sugar, communication, they can warn each other, for example, also from heavy droughts when it's a hot, dry summer. There's always one tree suffering first. This tree warns the surrounding trees. Um, and they can reduce their water consumption. Uh, so they won't pump up uh, as much uh, water out of the soil as they could, but save some water for the next weeks. For example, uh, a big tree can uh, pump up as much as 500 liters water each day. And that cools the forest down. And that's why forests are so cool. Uh, and the more trees are working together, the cooler the forest gets. So um, even climate change is for an intact forest not a big problem. For a managed forest, it's a problem because you destroy this uh, community. And uh, to stay at the, the fungus, uh, yeah, that's, that's like our internet, that is like our books, that's like radio. <laughs> But uh, we don't get a third of the <laughs> Swedish revenue, yeah. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's always uh, uh, a gain for, for, for the trees uh, so that they can stay in contact. Mm. Yeah, you talk about forests as super organisms, uh, um, comparing them to, to beehives uh, and um, ant societies. Um, is that true for all trees? Or you seem to have a special um, love for beech forest and beech trees. Uh, it just mm. seemed to be like this because mm. um, I love all trees where they grow naturally. Mm. Uh, that is spruce and pine in northern Sweden. In southern Sweden, that would be a beech tree forest. Uh, in Germany, it's mostly beech tree. Uh, in uh, southern Europe, there are more oak, uh, oak forests like Spain or Portugal. Uh, usually, there were... Uh, a primeval forest uh, with oak trees. So I love all trees where they belong. And there they grow healthy, they grow in family bands, but as you said, not all trees are social beings. There are, are trees like willows, uh, for example, or aspen, which used to live on their own. And sometimes it just seems to be a community, but uh, when you think about uh, those, this tree, Pando, in the Fish Lake District in Oregon in the United States, it's, it's, a forest, um, it's a forest about 40,000 trees, but they are all growing out of a single root. 
So the question is, is this one tree? I, I would say so. It, 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 I think it is a tree, but we don't know so far because we just uh, trust our eyes and when we cut a tree, we just cut the stem. The root system remains in the, in the underground and uh, the question is, where is the most important part of, of the tree? Perhaps the stem is something like our legs. But it's the beech trees that are suckling the, the young. And uh, many only. of the examples yeah. that you take are from the beech forest. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, because um, I discovered in my forest uh, this old stump where the tree has been felled uh, four or five hundred years ago. And this stump is still alive. And we don't think, when we think about trees, that they have... Uh, um, uh, they burn sugar in their cells like we do, that they breathe similar to us, not, not with lungs, but they use oxygen. For example, in winter times, trees sleep and they burn sugar in their cells and they breathe in oxygen, they, they breathe out CO2, just CO2 in the forest, uh, because they are sleeping. And when you are just a stump without a stem, without leaves, how can you survive four or five hundred years by burning sugar in your cells without getting energy from the sun? There was, uh, that was the first time I thought about, hmm, perhaps trees are not uh, competitors, as I was told at university. Because it's a good thing when trees compete, then a forester is something like a referee. and say, ah, okay, you go out and then the other trees become healthier because they have more space. But now I know it would be like uh, having a family and you would say, ah, kill the parents so the children have more space in the... In the uh, in the rooms and uh, they can develop very nice and grow much faster and we all know that is nonsense and ex exactly that you can uh, observe in the forest. But not all stumps are saved by their neighbors. Why, no. why was this stump saved by its neighbors? Do you um, think? I think uh, there are different qualities of relationship. Uh, that's another thing. We, we, since the age of enlightenment, we uh, regard nature as a big machine. And all other living beings are something like genetically programmed computers. And so they should all work exactly identical. And that's not the case. We have different characters and we have different relationships bet between trees. For example, a mother tree, and that's, uh, there I come back to the, the tree suckling the, the children. Uh, uh, in the root tips of, of plants in general, there are brain-like structures brain-like electrical process going on. That's a research uh, which, for example, the University of, University of Bonn is doing, Frantisek Baluska, uh, some professor working on this. Um, some uh, forest scientists say perhaps those root tips were all work together like a cloud. We are always searching a brain like a, a big bubble, <laughs> and uh, some politicians just have a big bubble. Don't mention <laughs> exactly who, who I mean. Um, and uh, perhaps on trees it's spread in, in, uh, in single little units, uh, but they work together like a cloud, perhaps. That's a um, theory of some forest scientists. It's not proven so far, it's just, just a theory. And, uh, but with the, those root tips, a tree that's proven is able to detect, ah, that are my seedlings, that are seedlings from, from the neighbor tree, with their own seedlings, the tree, trees connect and then they pump sugar solution to the little ones. And when there is a hot, dry summer, they reduce in this uh, part uh, of the soil their water consumption so that the soil keeps wet. So that's now, uh, now the question is, is it a fully automatic process? You could also, uh, when you come back to, to us, you can say our strongest love is mother love. 
It's caused by hormones like oxytocin. And they can also say we are just programmed bio-robots and working according to our genes, which is in, in some aspects true, but it's just uh, some aspects. And the wonderful part of it, you can't describe uh, scientifically correct. And, why you, uh, and um, because you can't describe it scientifically correct, you use it just for humans and not for all other species, and I think that is incorrect. <laughs> But, but why would you need to call it a brain? Um, I mean, you talked about the hierarchy between animals and, and plants, and yeah. that you, as, as I understand you, you want to upgrade plants and put them on the yeah. equal level <laughs> to animals. But do we, do we need to borrow language from animals to do that? Is that not just keeping the hierarchy and saying we need to call it brains, otherwise we won't respect the, the trees? Uh, yeah, yeah, and when we are right, we, we, we doesn't need to call it a, a brain, but uh, for me it's, it's, it's a way to describe that, that this ranking is wrong. Uh, and there's, there's really no need for a ranking. Um, the best thing to describe how, how strongly some, not all, uh, luckily not all scientists defend this ranking is the Neanderthal man. It was always regarded as something like an ape. Uh, the Neanderthal man. Nowadays, we know that uh, when uh, there would be a Neanderthal man here in the audience, he wouldn't detect uh, him because when he was would be dressed like we, he, he would look like we do. And uh, he was um, probably as intelligent as we are. His, uh, his brain was bigger than ours. Uh, his culture was well-developed. Uh, I don't know if you read that. Uh, several weeks ago, they detected um, that uh, Spanish cave paintings which were regarded from Homo sapiens, were now proven from Neanderthal men. Wonderful, uh, from um, wild cattle to those hand paintings to abstract drawings, uh, that they were ever said to be from Homo sapiens because the Neanderthal man was regarded too stupid for things like that. And they uh, researched the, the pigments and found out that the pigments are 66,000 years old, and at that time they were just Neanderthal men in, in Spain. So the last bastion was that the Neanderthal man never mixed with uh, modern uh, Homo sapiens, and as we nowadays know, uh, it's up to 5% Neanderthal genes running through our veins. And we know uh, which uh, things are on these genes. For example, it's uh, white skin color and blue eyes. So you may watch your neighbor if there's a Neanderthal man <laughs> beside you. And uh, the newest theory is that the Neanderthal man uh, never extinct but uh, was um, absorbed uh, genetically from, from uh, modern men. So for me, it's an example how uh, scientists defended for decades Homo sapiens against Neanderthal men, but, uh, and there was no reason for it. And uh, the, we see the same fi uh, fight on animals. For example, in the 1960s, it's, it's now going back to our own species, uh, there were uh, operations on human babies without uh, narcotics. There, were, there, were, there, were, there was no um, anesthesia. Uh, yeah, anesthesia. Yeah, mm -hmm. without any, uh, uh, because uh, the, the uh, scientists said, ah, that's just reflexes, babies don't feel pain. Uh, then later on, uh, what we still do nowadays, we cut tails from pigs, we make castrations, uh, we, we cut the, the teeth without uh, uh, medicine, because uh, we say when, when pigs are, little pigs are just three, three days old, they can feel pain, and you know 
that's crazy. Uh, and the next questions are plans. Uh, there's a, a good, good experiment from uh, several international uh, plant uh, scientists. I don't know if you read it in the New York Times, I think six or eight weeks, weeks ago. They sedated plants with the same uh, uh, chemicals like uh, we use for, for our operations. And, and the plants, plants reduce the electric activity, like this Venus trap, for example, which is catching flight. It uh, flies. Uh, they, they reduce the activities to zero, and then after the chemicals were absorbed and gone, uh, they, yeah, what did, they, did the plants do? Did they awake? What do, what do you need to awake? You need, uh, need to be conscious. And that's exactly the question they are working now uh, on, and that sounds crazy. That sounds perhaps even more crazy than mother trees suckling the children, <laughs> that uh, plants are conscious? That's a question uh, the, the New York Times reporter asked um, some of the scientists, and they say, we don't know. That's the actual state of uh, research on plant consciousness. And I think in science it's true that there are very many things that we don't know, and it's, that is yeah. the essence of science, admitting yeah. that, isn't it? Um, but I, I have to contradict you a little bit on the Neanderthal um, yeah. example that you took, because I, I do think that the consensus there in science is still that there, there is a big difference in intelligence between Homo sapiens and, and Neanderthals. And of course it's a, an evolving field, and, and mm -hmm. everything that we are, we are talking about mm -hmm. here is an evolving yeah. field. But just to be careful about where science stands in, in, in these issues. Um, yeah, but um, for example, to come back to the Neanderthal man, uh, sign, uh, scientists found in a tongue bone in Israel, for example. Yeah, and therefore, uh, when you read the, the scientific papers, they say it's it's uh, not a sign that the Neanderthal man uh, has talked, had talked. It's just the ability to talk. Mm. Yeah, but that's a difference. But because uh, I think that's incorrect. Because uh, on the other way. Uh, the, in, in the skull, there were also uh, eye holes, and that would be like saying, uh, yeah, the Neanderthal man had eyes, but if he could see anything, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> which is also scientifically <laughs> right. So I think, uh, for me, the, the, the main point is we, we shall judge with the same instruments. And uh, when we come to other species, we use different expressions. And Correct would be we would use for even whether it is on us or other species the same uh, scale on uh, measurement and uh, I think uh, in in many cases it's more a cultural historical thing with this ranking and uh, this this inner fear to let animals and plants come too close to us uh, which I think wouldn't be any problem that wouldn't mean that. Um, uh, we are not able to use them. That is the fear behind that. Uh, how, mm -hmm. what, what should we use? What should we eat? When, if plants, for example, I, I'm not convinced uh, of that, but if plants would be conscious, for example, are we allowed to eat them mm, You anymore? take veganism to a new level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For example, when you, when you eat bread, that are shredded wheat embryos. Yeah? Uh, and they are still living when they are shredded. So... Uh, um, I say as long as we are not able to make photosynthesis, yeah, we, we have to eat other living beings. For me, the question is how we treat them. Uh, are there, there are different classes of treatments? And I think we should uh, uh, think a little bit more about what we are doing. That's all. Mm -hmm.
And you, and you do write, of course, about animals, not only about, about yeah. trees. Um, and uh, one thing that struck me particularly in your, your second book, let me see what it's in, in English, The Inner Life of Animals, yeah. um, is how you discuss uh, in terms of morality and altruism, and you talk about an evil rabbit yeah. in your book. Um, so there we go ag again, in a sense. Are you equating animals with uh, with humans <laughs> with this terminology and, and what is what is the point about that I mean we could talk about the example of the evil rabbit it's the the, the old female rabbit who's scratching the eyes of her mm. uh, yeah. uh, of the of her flock of, um. and you say this is she's evil because this is neither typical for the species nor morally defensible yeah how, how can you come to a conclusion like that about a rabbit? Um, because I first thought about what is evil on us. For mm -hmm. example, when you, when you think uh, about evil persons, then you have always a bad childhood or uh, bad experiences or a genetical defect or whatsoever. Um, and uh, the problem is when we go deeper in this topic, there would be no possibility to, to judge anyone for anything. And without that, a, a human society is not able to work. And therefore, we have expressions like evil for things which are up, abnormal. So uh, when you have this scale for us, then we can also use this scale for animals because they are working identical. Uh, to say it again, uh, evolution uh, doesn't, uh, didn't invent just one way for us and just one way for all other species. Because I think we, we agree that uh, evolution didn't invent a separate way for sheep and goats. They work similar. Or horses and donkeys or uh, whatsoever. But, for, uh, but we have a special way, just we. We developed out and together with those animals. And for example, to stay at the uh, expression uh, mother love and the hormone oxytocin it's just one of the hormones but you find this hormones also in goats and horses and you find them even in goldfish though we don't know what it, what it uh, makes in goldfish or serotonin you find in, in uh, insects uh, there are uh, drivers let's say drivers which uh, drive our our emotions our instincts um, and we, uh, that, that doesn't make, uh, should, should uh, let us fear if, if animals are um, feeling the same things. Uh, we, we are something special and that's, that's our mind. We are, I haven't found animal writing books, for example, or flying to the moon or, or whatsoever. We, we, we have some special abilities, but uh, our emotions are no special abilities. Mm. But aren't you... You said you wanted to remove the, our view of the forest as a machine and the animal as a machine. Aren't you um, introducing again the, the view of humans as machines with this way of arguing? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the, the question. I think um, the, the, the picture of uh, that even we are working as a, as a machine. When, for example, when you look at the genes, how evolution is working. Uh, our imagination decades ago was that uh, uh, just genetical defects drive the evolution. And we nowadays know that uh, even from one generation to another, you can uh, uh, bring in memories into your genes. 
uh, for example, if you, if you have a, had a shock as a mother, uh, your, your uh, children may also feel fear uh, or may uh, develop depressions uh, during because their lifetime. Because of which genes are expressed uh, with epigenetic markers. Is, is that yeah, yeah. so, so mm -hmm. we can fix memories uh, in your genes. And that's, that's something uh, one wouldn't have expected decades ago. And uh, therefore, that, that for me, that means that we are not working as, just as a, as a machine. Uh, and to come to another thing, uh, there are just, just models how it could be. Uh, our brain is not really uh, researched so far. Neurons are well researched, but how all billions of neurons say every morning when you look at, at, in the mirror, that's me. That's not proven. Or, for example, that your brain capacity gets bigger you more, the more you learn. Uh, that's, that's not like a computer, it's just vice versa. So, uh, I think our picture from, uh, from uh, life, that life is, uh, can be compared, compared to, uh, to a machine and that we just have to know every single wheel to, to understand it, that's wrong. Hmm. Yeah. So you'd say that neither the rabbit nor the human yeah. is a machine? Yeah, so um, I, I would say, uh, yeah, for example, look at your dog. Uh, would anyone uh, who has a dog from you would say it's a machine? <laughs> I would say no, the dog understands you. Most dogs believe that they are family members in, in a human sense, and, and, uh, and they are. They can, uh, they can reflect your thoughts. For example, there are experiments um, that there's a wall, and the dogs are trained to bring uh, new things. And when the, the trainer is on this side of the wall and then the dog is uh, sitting here, and the, some of the new things are behind the wall so that the human trainer can't see it, but the dog can see it. Then the dog knows when the trainer says, bring me the new thing, that just can bring new things that the trainer sees. So the, the dog can even reflect the, th the thoughts uh, of the trainer. And the view. So there's, and that's perhaps one thing to come closer to to uh, the question, uh, what's going on beside uh, automatically steered function, that there are reflections, that there are thoughts, thoughts about the future, thoughts about the past. Um, that's perhaps something different, which, uh, for example, a computer can't do. And that's, yeah, perhaps that's uh, the, the best thought of of all. Why do we all get that old as we get? We, we, we could quit our duty uh, at the age of 40 because uh, biological scene, the first, the next generation should be grown up. And wherefore, what for you need old people? <laughs> yeah, if I'm, I'm 53, I'm amongst you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I should have gone. But why, why I'm still sitting here? It's, it's no, not, not uh, just a joke for, uh, of nature. <laughs> it makes sense because uh, we store memories and we no, not just store information. We store emotions. And that's nothing a computer can do. For example, when, when you feel something, you instinctively uh, bring fear to the whole family band by screaming, by, by uh, showing uh, from your mimic uh, whatsoever. And that, that's nothing a computer can do, and that's very helpful for a group. So uh, it's, uh, I don't know the, the right expression in English, like a history tailor in, in these this old times who kept the, the memories, but not the, just the informations, but the emotions. And emotions are very important, and animals are very good in emotions. I don't think anyone would argue with you that 
uh, animals to different degrees are conscious and that they're thinking yeah. and that they have emotions. Uh, I think most researchers would definitely uh, agree with that. Yeah. Um, and also that humans are, are run often by instincts. Uh, but but I still, um, I'm still thinking about this whole aspect of morality and altruism where yeah. you compare humans and, and, and animals because those are actually words very much linked to culture and what we regard as moral and what we mm. regard as altruistic. And, and the whole idea of some kind of human free will that makes us good mm. or, or, or bad. Um, and uh, in one passage of your book uh, on animals here, I read that you actually argue that bats have free will and that they can behave altruistically, mm. um, spitting out blood to give to each other. Vampire bats, well, mm. that was your example. Yeah. And that they recognize who's altruistic, and then those bats will be treated better by yeah. the other bats. And to you, well, you argue that this is some kind of proof that the bats can mm. judge who behaves morally, and that there is an mm. aspect of free will in this behavior. Isn't that bringing, it a little bit far, the argument? Yeah, uh, perhaps, but uh, mm -hmm. think about our altruism. Um, when you, for example, you uh, loan money to a friend, yeah, and then uh, you do it uh, several times, or you invite friends f uh, for dinner. You invite them, you invite them, and after, after years, you say, why don't they invite me? And uh, when this thought is in your head, I think this friendship won't lo uh, last very, very much longer. So uh, I think we're working exactly uh, on, on the same things, um, that altruism is nothing uh, for just itself, because you, uh, it's, it's, it gives something to you, and in, in the moment you, you don't get anything back, and if it's just a big thank you, uh, then you will, will stop it, or most people will, will do that. So uh, it's always, uh, even altruism has to come in a, in a balance on, on a long term, uh, mm. even for us. But you also argue that um, male bears killing the young of other male yeah. bears are not immoral because it's part of their nature to do this. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you see any danger when you're linking in this way humans and animals? Because we do expect better from humans, whatever would be in our nature, don't we? Yeah, but uh, when, uh, um, this, for example, this isn't in our nature, so it's a, it's a bad thing uh, to do, so it's really evil, but uh, uh, on the other hand, yeah, some things we, we are, uh, that, that uh, are in our nature, they, they are not evil. For example, that we, we are uh, consuming so much food. It's, it's not evil. We, we are just some people, uh, uh, some people too much on this little planet. <laughs> That's the problem. But two of us is, is too much. So uh, it's not the single, the single being which, which destroy anything or, or, or which is, uh, who, is, who is evil. And um, to come back to the example with the, with the bears, uh, uh, it's, it's a, it according to their natural behavior to, to, uh, for, for male bears to, to kill the, the, the babies of, uh, of uh, uh, female when, when they want to pair, or, yeah, how do you say? To ma mate. To ma yeah. yeah, to mate. Mm -hmm. uh, that's natural behavior, and therefore it's not evil, because every male bear uh, will do so if uh, it has the opportunity. Hmm. Um, 
I'd like to um, move on a little bit from, we've talked about the view of nature and us mm -hmm. as nature and in nature, um, and talk a little bit about uh, your role as a popularizer of science and, mm -hmm. and yeah, how you relate to science. Because you, reading your books, um, I feel very strongly that you rely on, on science, you, mm. you base what you say yeah. on science, but then you also say things like, science has taught us that nature is without souls. So how, how do you relate to, to scientific findings? Yeah, it's uh, in, uh, in different ways. Um, the results are wonderful and the, the language is horrible. <laughs> Let's say it like this. And that's the reason why many people don't read scientific reports and many people are surprised uh, what scientists had found out. And it's uh, uh, perhaps uh, it's sometimes expressed a little bit easy because we have also a big controversy within science. Uh, how, uh, what, what to research, how to express, how to develop theories. Uh, but uh, the problem is when you ex express that scientifically correct, then the book word would be as, uh, ten times as thick as it is now and would be with, uh, um, filled with, uh, what is, Ausnahme? Uh, references? No, no, not reference, Ausnahme. Ausnahme? Uh, I don't uh, with, mm, with the exceptions, yeah. Mm. With the exceptions, uh, when you say, yeah, in most cases it's like that, but in some cases, and then they express the exceptions, and then it focus on your, your book is focused on exceptions. And that's exactly what, I, what, what uh, I hate in general. When you want to bring information to people, you have to focus on the, on the core information and not on the ex exceptions. Scient it's not scientifically correct, I agree, because as a scientist, you have to, to bring in all uh, different uh, little uh, shades of color. But uh, uh, for, for a book for lay people to come into a topic, that uh, brings confusion and uh, you will stop reading and you will lose the information. And that's exactly that. And, um, the, and for any, uh, anyone who wants to uh, come deeper into a topic, therefore this is the uh, appendix with the scientific sources and you can try to read the original papers. It's sometimes it's, it's really good because there are much more information than in the book, but it's, it's really hard work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the dilemma of all popularizers that you need to simplify and how, yeah. to what extent do you simplify and there's always a, a balance in there. Yeah. Um, but the, there's also the matter of, of which scientific studies you choose. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, often there are actually scientific debates on issues uh, that you need to write about and, and how do you go about um, sorting which, which side to take. I mean, you can decide to, to describe both sides, of course, but an example that I came across in your book was um, talking about the forest being a better coal sink when it's old, an old forest. Yeah. And that's actually a scientific controversy about that. I mean, there are scientific scientists and scientific studies arguing that the young forest, up to between 20 to 80 yeah. years, grows faster, and so it's a better coal sink absorbing CO2 from the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, now, you take a clear stand there, on, on also on scientific basis, yeah. that there are also scientists and scientific studies claiming that the old forest is a better coal sink, um, and it grows faster. So, um, how, 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 how do you come to that balance between those 
in yeah. the actual scientific controversy. It's a very, very good example. Um, I'm not a scientist, but I'm a forester, and some things I, I can judge very well. For example, um, you know that, uh, that some scientific studies are paid by industries. And uh, the, the studies which, uh, which tell that, that a forest, for example, or timber use is carbon neutral, that comes from the forest and timber industry. And we see that in Germany too. And, and uh, so I have to wait and to judge which, which scientific study is neutral and which is intended uh, for uh, higher timber use. And on the other hand, you can watch it with your own eyes. And that's even better. Uh, for example, uh, on a, uh, how, how does the story go that, that using timber is carbon neutral? It's, it's a lovely fairy tale. Um, a tree is growing, it's taking up CO2 while growing into the timber, and when the tree dies, bacteria and fungi will, will feed on the, the, the tree, will rot it, and the CO2 will gas out. And so it doesn't matter if uh, bacteria and fungi will feed up this tree, old tree or if you burn it in your, in your house. So, uh, for firewood. Uh, it's the same result and, and up in the place when you fell a tree, a new one will grow and take up and so on and so on forever and ever. That's a nice little story, but it's not true. Because um, uh, more than 50% of the, the complete produced biomass is stored in the forest floor. It's not stored in the timber. And when you open a forest, and you open forests, when you cut trees, there comes sunlight in. We, I, I forgot to mention that I worked together with the University of Aachen since eight years. They have stored um, temperature logger in the, all in the forest. And in our reservations, it's in summertime uh, between three and 10 degrees cooler than in managed forests. It's cool, the forest cools down, the cools down the local, cli local climate. It's not just on carbon, but it stores uh, uh, more than 50% uh, of the carbon in the soil. And when you open the canopy, when you fell trees, the ground gets warm and bacteria and fungi uh, begin to uh, feed up the humus in the soil. And you can see it here in Sweden, you have much more humus in the soil. You have those old, uh, from the uh, times after the Ice Age, this big, um, how do you say, torf? Yeah, it's, uh, it's peat. In yeah, English. I see peat. Uh, peat. You see that it's, it's horrible. And on the clear cuts, laying in the open sun, and this mm -hmm. peat will disappear within five to ten years completely, and that's much more than the timber amount. So for every piece of wood you take out of the forest, there's at minimum uh, the same amount of humus gassing out as CO2 from the floor. So... Uh, um, and then, when then a study from the forest industry says, ah, timber uses carbon neutral because we plant a new tree and it takes up carbon, that is like little school kids which say, ah, we can, when we put acid and basic things together, we have it neutral. Uh, no, that, that's, uh, it's not like, a, like chemistry in school. Uh, nature is much more complicated. And when we look at tropical forests, for example, Indonesia, there, you know the studies which, uh, with, uh, with palm oil. Everyone says palm oil is horrible. It's not carbon neutral because there's so much uh, carbon dioxide gassing out in those old swamp forests. But here, no, that's something different. Uh, that's a well-managed forest and we are a cultivated country and those Indonesian people are not so uneducated. And uh, So there's a, there's a little racist in, in us which say, ah, those people there. And I've a nice, nice, uh, got a nice little letter last, last week from the Pakistani for forest chief about the, the tree book. 
and he, he, he uh, congratulated me for the, the tree book. And what was more important for me, it was, um, I don't know is it the exactly na the name, it was the Ministry uh, Against Climate Change. We say, uh, Pakistan has a, ma a ministry against climate change? In Germany, uh, we have a ministry, it has now changed uh, the, the, the name, uh, the Ministry of Interior is now Ministry of Interior and Homeland. Say, so, uh, I've expected that in, in Pakistan, a Ministry of uh, Homeland, but, uh, or in the United States, but, uh, but not uh, a ministry which is fighting, a whole ministry which is fighting, fighting against climate change. Well, they will so, be heavily hit by climate change. Yeah, but we too. One of the look, first countries to um, be heavily hit. Yeah, but that's yeah. interesting. Uh, when we go out, just now we see uh, Stockholm has been hit by climate change today. Uh, in Germany, we had uh, this April, this year, 2018, the hottest April ever. Uh, so uh, it's nice after winter time to have that temperatures, but we, we still suffer from climate change. In our home range, it's about, I think, 0 0.9 degrees uh, warmer than before. Um, but we don't register what's going on. But uh, when I look, for example, in northern Sweden, and I've talked to many uh, people, for example, the Sami people, they suffered from heavier snowfalls that you have, this, mm. you have had this year. In, uh, and then the reindeers are not able to, to scratch uh, the, uh, off the snow and to, to feed on the plants anymore. So climate change is, has already arrived in Sweden, but we think we are better educated, and that's a problem of poorer countries. But the problem is here, but what we have, we have better lobbyists, they have better explanations for what they are doing. So we are perhaps clever, but not in a good way. <laughs> but but I, I still think that the, the modeling of, of forests um, in different places on Earth in, in the climate models are among yeah. the most difficult parts of making a good climate model. So looking on a forest, when is it a coal sink? When, when is, it, is it a coal source? So I... I still think that that is an area where there's lots of well-justified scientific debate. Um, and um, the reason I, I stick to this a little bit is yes, that I, I'd like to ask you about your responsibility yeah. here as a popularizer. I mean, it, it is very difficult um, to get to, you know, what, 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 what view of science do, do you get across? Is it... Um, do you see it as a problem at all that you take a very clear stand here and not really tell the readers that there's a real scientific debate going on in this field? No, I think it's time to have a clear uh, standpoint because, for example, um, when we make a protection of forest, we have different scales for us and for the Amazon rain, uh, rainforest. In Germany, the foresters, well-educated, full of studies, say uh, just a managed manage forest is rich of biodiversity. And uh, then, then I, I can't uh, keep my question uh, to say, but why don't we have foresters in the, in the Amazon region? Or why don't we like to have foresters in the, in the Amazon region? Why, uh, region? why is the forest there should be able to live on, the, on its own? And why should our forest be managed for a higher biodiversity? And the point is, uh, in Germany, I've talked to uh, entomologists, and they say it's very sad because in Germany there's no, no uh, money for researching new species. And we have a lot of species to detect also here in Sweden. Uh, but they are very tiny, they are very important. Some, it's like plankton uh, for, for the oceans. But uh, there's not much money and we are 
crying for orangutans uh, on Borneo, uh, on the island of Borneo, but our own animals, they are perhaps ugly, like little mites. Uh, they, they are not very, very pretty, and no one would make a national park for, for mites or, or little spiders or so. You would say, ah, that's crazy. But for orangutans, and you see the ranking, they are more worth. They, they look nicer, nicer, even to me, and have more emotions for, for a monkey than for a spider. But... Uh, but that's, uh, it's not, not a cor uh, correct uh, ethical uh, scale. And uh, what I love most is when we have foreign visitors. For example, we had the fourth chief of Iran visiting my, my home district. Not just my home district. He, he made a travel through uh, Austria, Switzerland, Germany. And he said, hmm, why don't you have real forests? Here, here, we say, what? We have forests here, look around. Uh, no, that are plantations. Mm -hmm, okay, because German foresters use the expression plantations just for a third <laughs> world country, not, not for Germany, but we have plantations indeed. But uh, uh, we have, uh, in Iran, we have the last primeval beech tree forests, big forests, uh, and they were untouched, uh, for example, because they, they resettled villages away from, from this old forest because the people shouldn't move their cattle in, into this forest. And in Germany, we remove villages for brown coal, but not for forests. So uh, that's also something uh, different uh, when we see uh, that, are, that are scientists from other countries, that are government from other countries, which have a different look on nature. That's, for example, that's also a sentence uh, the forest chief of Rian said, why do you always think about money by protecting forests? Because we, we try to value um, to, to, price, uh, to get the price for uh, the value of the forest because yeah, it produces oxygen or it is worth uh, f uh, something for the climate and whatsoever. No, it is worth for itself. And he said, why don't, don't you always talk about money? And uh, it has to do with culture, not with science. And our, our forest industry, it's in some parts wonderful. I love that we have a timber production because otherwise I shouldn't write books. <laughs> and, and just to say, I, I uh, partly uh, heat with firewood, because it's wonderful, but not for the forest, not for the trees. Uh, it's wonderful for me, and it's okay. Uh, I think we should be more honest and say, that's for our needs. And uh, we are not evil by consuming natural goods, but perhaps we should think a little bit more about how to do it. And when we just manage forest ecosystems, to prevent climate change, in this case, we should leave the trees where they are. If it's for our needs, because our home is cold, then it's okay to use them. Or you want to read a good book, then it's, good. it's okay to use paper. But if you want to protect forests, you should leave the trees where they are. But that's uh, what in Germany, but I've, I've seen that also in Sweden, which the forest industry tries to explain to the people that it is good for the forest, and that's crazy. Mm. Um, and to wrap it up a little bit, um, you talked about um, forestry in different parts of the world and yeah. different countries. And so I'd like to ask you what, what your message to your Swedish and, and Nordic readers yeah. are. I mean, there are some things that are quite particularly German in what you write about. I mentioned the beech trees and conifers is our our normal environment in, in the northern parts of Scandinavia, yeah. at least. And what, what, is, what, what would you like your Swedish readers particularly to take with them from your books? 
Uh, I think the, the main uh, aim for me is that, that people uh, get happy with trees. Uh, I don't want to give any advice, do this or uh, don't do this. Uh, for me, it's more important that, that people get amazed by how wonderful trees are. For example, for me, uh, trees are like plant elephants. Uh, they that are big living beings. They are much slower than, than elephants are, uh, but uh, they are in many ways similar because they are so slow, we have difficulties to under understand them. That's okay, but on the other hand, it's wonderful when you understand what they are doing. For example, uh, how, how a tree goes to toilet, or how, yeah, no one thinks about it. <laughs> uh, uh, that the tree is yeah, he's, he's consuming uh, stuff and has, uh, has got rid of this stuff like we do. So it, a tree is much slower than we are, so it's just once a year, but you can see <laughs> that. It's, uh, trees are pumping this in the leaves. When they let, let them fall, uh, fall down, okay, I don't know if, if leaves are therefore brown, but uh, it's... Um, <laughs> Uh, but there are things going on, or you find trees which are change strategies within lifetime. When you uh, watch a tree here in the city, they can change the, the uh, point uh, when they uh, throw off their leaves. Trees which are more careful, they, they th drop off the, the leaves earlier. You get, there's uh, interesting research on sleep behavior of trees. You say, huh? Okay. This guy is crazy, finally. No, um, that's, uh, that is Nordic research from Finland and, and Austria. Uh, they researched uh, birch trees and their sleeping behavior. They let, in summer times, they let the branches hang down at nighttime. Although this, the, the water pressure is rising at nighttime, so the branches should go up. Uh, we don't know why trees are doing that. It's just uh, basic research, but there is a difference between day and nighttime. Uh, we don't know why, but it's interesting. And that's exactly uh, what I like to have the readers to, to love uh, trees, to be uh, neugierig, curious? Yeah, curious. Yeah, curious mm -hmm. about all the things going around. And, not, and when you think you know everything, that trees are yeah, oxygen producer and so on, those servants that you have all around here, and they are a little bit more like mossy stones, but that's it, then it's boring. But if, then, uh, but if you know that they are ju just a little bit slower, they are, uh, I think uh, Tolkien made the right job by creating those ends and those, those you know, those uh, slow uh, tree shepherds, <laughs> tree keepers, let's say like this, and, and uh, he just made one mistake, the ends are too fast. <laughs> they should be, should be more, much more slower. Uh, yeah, you're surrounded by something like, like ends, perhaps, and that's, that's uh, funny. It, it, it's, it makes fun, and it's uh, nice to see what's going on. And uh, the, when you know all those facts, then I think you will always do the right things. Whether you read a book, or you use firewood, or just uh, make a walk through the forest, you, you will make the right decisions on nature. And that's exactly... Uh, what, what, what I like to see. Mm. And I must confess that I, I got, reading your book, especially the first one, I got a little bit jealous of Central Europe and yeah. the Central European beach forests that you're, you're describing. Um, but um, at least in Sweden, we have the oldest tree on Earth, perhaps the oldest living being on Earth, or living organism almost 10,000 years old spruce tree. Yeah. And you're going to see it tomorrow, aren't tomorrow, you? Tomorrow, yeah. 
Uh, or uh, yeah, we, we drive tomorrow over there, and, and on Thursday we are uh, going to make a hike in the mountains. And that's also a, a nice thing, um, and that's a good good um, thing also for scientists because scientists believed before that uh, I think ten years ago that uh, spruce trees were in the mountains of Dalana coming back uh, before two thousand years, uh, and. Um, they estimated, uh, not just in Sweden, also in Germany, that spruce trees can become as old as 500 years. And now there's this little spruce, and uh, it is nearly 10,000 years old and still living. So we don't know how old spruce trees can become because it's living. It, it has to die uh, to, to know the maximum age. So um, it's for me, it's, it's a, a good sign that uh, we have to discover a lot and to prove things, even things I say, prove it again, that's exactly what you can read when you read more books from me, you see that, that I also uh, gain new information, that I uh, I think the, the, the best thing I can do, and that's, that's my task, to ask, 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 ask. Why, why is it so? Is it really so? So, take a deeper look, and, um, and there are luckily many scientists which are doing a good job, and even those scientists which I criticize, uh, the most, uh, the uh, the most or, or the, 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 the most important thing uh, I criticize is the language because when you uh, when you can't understand it, you won't pay them for for new research because you say ah that's not interesting that's not not important for me and in reality it's more important than to detect what's on the backside of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so our hour is up, but I wonder if we have time for one or two questions from the audience. Yeah. Because I'm sure there are. You give me a sign, and I will throw you the microphone. <laughs> no, I will hand over the microphone. Everybody is totally mesmerized by the conversation. So you, I, I thought I heard about. There's somebody here who has a question. Isn't that so? No. There's one in here. In front. Ah, oh, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, we should think about, you've thought a lot, lot about the ethics, uh, obviously, of forestry management, and you say we should think more about what we do. So what would your sort of concrete advice, besides walking around in yeah. the forest and appreciating it properly, be? Yeah. To Swedish uh, forestry. Yeah, mm -hmm. to Swedish. It, uh, the, the wonderful thing is uh, forestry in general works everywhere where you are on this planet according to the same rules. And um, uh, the worst idea, uh, the idea is what we also do in Germany. It's not, not just critics among, uh, uh, concerning Swedish forestry, because the forestry systems all over the world are very similar. Uh, are, uh, is to make a clear cut. As you know, there's a German word which says, timber can grow only on timber. That means you have to have trees <laughs> to, that, 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 uh, that you have a growth of timber. When you make a clear cut, that's like tearing down a factory and build it up every time new again. Who would be so crazy? Foresters are that crazy. So uh, it's, a, it's a proven uh, method over centuries to uh, let forests grow and just thin forests to harvest here and there a tree which is ready. To make a clear cut, it is like to harvest a strawberry field because you say, ah, it's 15th of June. 
so we have to harvest it, whether they are green or not, <laughs> or red or whatsoever. And you can imagine that, that you would be a bad farmer to, to uh, sell green strawberries. So that's exactly what, what foresters do. And I've visited several forests which make eco-friendly forestry since many decades, uh, over many, um, uh, many family generations. And they, for example, when they say, I want to buy a new car, uh, then I have to fell one or two trees that are trees. And when we fell a tree, and then they look like here in Sweden, because we also have plantations, uh, then it would be enough for, for one dinner, for one person, when you fell one tree. That's exactly what you gain from felling one tree. When you, when you uh, withdraw all your costs, then, then, uh, then you will have perhaps 10 euros or 20 per cubic meter. And uh, when you have wonderful, old, big trees, uh, then you can get thousands of euros, and you have a stable ecosystem. Uh, it is storm-resistant. And as you say, those wonderful beach forests, you, you once had also in Sweden. In southern Sweden, that is beach forest land. Um, you can see how, where, where the uh, habitat of, of the spruce, for example, of the conifers in general, changes. I, th I don't, don't know exactly the, the height, if it is uh, Östersund or wherever, or a little bit more up to the north. Then you can change, see the change within the, the shape of the trees, and then you're, uh, you're in the country, in the original countryside of spruce and, and pine trees. But in the, the more you get to the thaws, the more you, you had broadleaf trees in Sweden. And now we have plantations, you have storm problems. In Germany, and I think in Sweden, it's perhaps uh, in a similar uh, amount. 57% uh, of the spruce trees are harvested, harvested by storm. It's crazy. What, what is this for a system? Then I would change the system to a more stable species, and that are, in general, species which are common uh, to that region. They are much more stable. Another thing is working without big machines. Big machines are destroying the soil. They compress the soil up to a depth of two meters, And I've spoken to geologists, and they say that damage will be recovered uh, after the next ice age, not, not earlier. So uh, when you compress the soil, the soil, um, the water storage capability, uh, capability will, that's uh, research from the University of München, TU München, uh, will go down to 5%. That means that in, in a, uh, the, our forests, uh, uh, also here in Sweden, they need the winter rain stored in the soil for the hot summer. And when you destroy the tank of the forest by driving over it, then you have for the next 10,000 of years dry summers for the forest. And then the foresters say, ah, oh, the forests suffer. We have to uh, rebuild them for climate change. We have to introduce new tree, new, uh, tree species, which are more resistant against uh, uh, hot summers. And I say, no, let the machines out. We use, uh, wherever it is possible, we, we uh, fell trees with woodworkers and horses. And it's cheaper on long-term range, because when you destroy the forest soil, you would have less timber growth. And that means that your benefits from the forest uh, go down in the future. And we say no. Uh, when, we, uh, when we calculate the complete, uh, complete damage within, then machines are uh, much more higher in costs, and so we are, we are not able to use them anymore because they are too expensive for us. There are many things just to have, there are many examples in this direction. Uh, I just can say we have um, restored some uh, forest land uh, management methods. We have uh, helped some um, 
I don't know, it's, uh, they are private-owned Stiftungen? What is it? It's, yeah. a, it's Foundations. A no, Foundations. It, no, it's a, a private organization mm -hmm. which is just for, for uh, uh, um, benefits for, for the public. And uh, they, they, have, they own uh, woodlands, uh, little woodlands, half a square kilometer, square kilometer or so. And every forest we, we manage, uh, according to those methods, gets much more benefits, much more income, you have much more employment, and you have uh, a better management also for the environment. Uh, and I think you can't manage a forest without destruction. That's, that's not possible. But uh, for me, uh, the aim is to have it managed with less destruction than when we have those conservative methods. Mm. And you argue that's actually economically viable as well. Yeah, it? yeah. Because, it's, it's you know, for Sweden, it's our base industry. Yeah. We would be nothing without it's, it's the It's crazy. Oh, each time I drive through Sweden mm. and I see the big clear cuts, I see those, those uh, forest floors drying out in the sun. I, say, I think, how crazy. It's uh, the most forests or, or many forests have, have seen big machines the first time when they, when they were clear-cutted. Uh, we can't even imagine what, what's going on because therefore we would have to see the next generation growing up and getting old and that is in 50 years. The machine started here in general in this, in this uh, big impact, I think, in the 70s. Around about that. In the 80s, you had more and more, and in the 90s in Germany, there they say, oh, the Swedish forces, they are tough, they have big machines, and most foresters, just to say, are, are men, and they are impressed by big machines. But just to see a horse, hmm, that's an, uh, it's, uh, a horse is, is, is too romantic in the forest. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard that from colleagues, it's like a fairy tale, and perhaps it's just for, for show. No. Um, most forests, even in Sweden, have seen just once a machine. And uh, what, what the destruction the machines made, that will be uh, your, uh, perhaps the, not the next generation, but the next generation after that. They will see the damage the machines now, now do. And just to save a few uh, euros or crowns uh, for gaining the timber, that's okay, I think. So, were there any other questions? Yeah. No, one. So, the last question. In connection to this, do you get any interest from the industry, the forest industry, to your ideas about how <laughs> to keep the wood, woodlands um, better? Uh, Are they just in opposition, or do you yeah. get some interest? Um, we have in Germany, we have a big problem with it, which is just now a, a trial at the highest court that the um, State Forest Commission, which is a control institution to control the sustainability, uh, sustainability of, of forest management, is meanwhile the biggest market player in Germany on timber selling. So the control authority controls itself. That's a German problem, and I think uh, that will be uh, abolished after this, this uh, trial. I think it's, it's in mid of June this year, hopefully. Uh, just to, to say how traditional German foresters are, there are many um, uh, country uh, um, uh, governments where foresters still wear the uniform, which is in this nearly a sense created by Hermann Göring. <laughs> yeah, it takes the time to change methods. And uh, I've, I've just seen that there, there was an award from the, the Karl Abetz medal 
And Karl Arbeitz was uh, during the Third Reich uh, uh, um, a high rank officer uh, who made things which are not so nice. So uh, it, it takes some time in Germany and we don't have real control of forestry. So, um, for example, the ministry, um, the the uh, Ministry of Germany for the highest ministry for forestry. We have, um, just to say, we, we now teach nature guides. And I founded a nature academy, we teach nature guides because the most nature guides are uh, taught by forest commissions. And they just teach how trees produce timber and what I told you again and again and again. They can, for example, also read in this new brochure uh, from this year, uh, you can read that spruce trees get as old as 300 years. So, and we know it since six or seven years that, it, uh, that they can be as old as 10,000 years. So it takes a little time, uh, but for me it's more important that the people, they are in most cases in Germany, we have 52% uh, uh, state and uh, provincial owned uh, forest lands, the people are the owners of the forest. And the foresters are just employees. And I think we have to bring that in, a, in the right direction. Because at the moment, most people think the forest owns to the foresters, and that's not right. Peter Wollebem, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to talk to yeah. you. <laughs> thank you very much.